Welcome back to the Upper Tier Podcast. And joining me today is Peter Hart from the Superior Comic Show, my partner in crime on the Upper Tier, brought to you as part of the Dynamo Podcast Network. And today we're bringing a special show to you on a New Year's Eve, where we're going to take a quick look back at some recent results there and the impact it's had on those teams. Certainly the landscape of football has changed over the last 10 to 14 days, no doubt. Um, and we also want to wish all our listeners and subscribers a happy new year. We hope you had a safe Christmas as we stare down into another lockdown now. And be assured we will bring in you lots of really good content over the next four to six weeks. So keep an eye out for that. We're also on YouTube now. So if you could pop over there, hit a subscribe, hit that bell notification and a like. We appreciate all your support over the last couple of months since the Dynamo Podcast Network released. Um, we look forward to 2021 and bringing you some great content. Peter, how are you doing? All good now, other than the thoughts of this lockdown. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, look, we're going to be shut down, obviously, with the shop and stuff like that. But look, it's a, it's an opportunity to do some more podcasting. Right. It's an opportunity to look at other things in a different way. And sure, look, you know, if it gets us to where we need to get to and it gets us to the vaccines and it keeps more people alive, sure, look, we'll embrace it one more time again. Yeah, well, 100%. Do. I worry, though. I do worry for the smaller businesses, the, you know, the local businesses like yourself, like some of the barbers yeah. and restaurants. Yeah. That this is their third time closing down. You know, it's... Yeah. And a lot of people are worried. Yeah, well, I suppose the message there really is if you can shop local and support local and sm- support those small businesses, continue to do that. Over the last few months and over all those lockdowns, we've had great support of people. and We've been thanking people, no doubt, today and in the last few days for the support they've given us. Without that support, we still wouldn't be here. And uh, that's a fact when you talk about small business. Um, it's really important that people continue doing that. And... Um, we look forward to it in 2021. We're going to continue with our Facebook orders and our postal orders and all that kind of stuff and support you as best we can. <laughs> so thank you for that. So moving on to today's show, um, I suppose based on the last show we did, um, it was kind of our tether out and we had a, there was huge issues there, I suppose, with Arsenal at the time. Yeah. But they've had, um, you know, it's, it's amazing what a couple of results can do to you. Our tether is now back. Um, Arsenal are kind of now back. Even though they're not firing on 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 all cylinders, but certainly um, uh, we're not talking about them in the same guise as relegation anymore, or in a relegation battle. It's a it's a weird league this year because um, you know two results can propel you up the league. It's um, it's crazy. Um, what what you're thinking on Arsenal at the moment and Arteta? They're they're going in the right direction. They're having like like you said, they're not setting the world alight, but they're making progress. I said in the last show about Arteta that when we were talking, me and me yourself and Ian were talking about. It, I said I wouldn't sack him just yet. I'd give him the rest of the season until next January, and it's coming good right now. But the amazing thing to me is it's not their. Uh, new big money contract signing Bamiyang that's getting them the goals it's youth and it's Lacazette seems to have a bit of hunger back now as well yeah well I think especially Lacazette was putting himself out there a bit in the shop window as well so when I seen him getting a bit of game time I had no doubt he was going to make an impact you know yeah. um, especially when you're looking at his contract coming up now I mean if he's going to make a move 
um, this would probably be his last big contract as well because he's kind of at that age as well. Yeah. Um, I did. I did hear there this morning. Kalasnach has gone to uh, Schalke. Is it on loan? Schalke. Um, yeah, uh, on loan there. I read that there this morning on Sky Sports News. So, um, that's an interesting move. I, I didn't think Arsenal would be um in a position to be pushing lads out the door really you know what I mean I thought they'd want to be hanging on to what they have at the moment you know what I mean unless they do have plans to bring in people in January now so they must have if they're getting rid of people on loan especially they must have plans to bring someone in but to be fair your man Kalasinac since he signed has become has been a liability more often than a prized possession yeah yeah absolutely yeah so then I suppose that's 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 where we're at with Arsenal at the moment. They're grinding out results. They seem to be somewhat back. Um, um, those are kind of results they'd normally get draws or losses from. Yeah. So it's, it's good to see them coming back up the table again. So I suppose we move on to United. United's, what I would call United's rise again. Um, they seem to be coming um, a bit of a powerhouse again. And um, that sort of soft underbelly that they had at the start of the season seems to have disappeared they're grinding out results now when they have to no doubt they've had a bit of luck but I mean every team throughout the whole season gets their luck um, but um, I looked at that match there the other night the Wolves game where like they, they didn't look to be doing anything amazing in the game and but they went into what those fans call Fergie time mm. and they pulled off another good result with three points and certainly they look out of all the teams there to be the team that's probably going to challenge Liverpool in terms of the league this year while everyone else is around them is kind of faltering I think now without taking too much I said it last time on the show I was on the show I said United are a worry for me because they're coming back up now they're stringing results together and they have been but Again, even with ourselves, I'm saying Liverpool will not get too ahead of ourselves. United need to <clears throat> settle because I've seen the posts about we're going to win the league this year, we're going to stop Liverpool winning the league. The problem I see is they had some great results, but who have they come up against so far? Wolves gave them a game and they needed that last-minute winner that took a deflection. They haven't come up against anyone in form just yet. And I'll be honest, I think an injury to Bruno Fernandes and their season's over. I think they're on the yeah. right track, but they need to I think they need to add and subtract from the team in January if they want to keep this up. Yeah, I think Bruno Bruno Fernandes no doubt has been key for them. I mean he's he's the talisman there. Um and then I suppose the news coming out today about Cavani getting suspended for three games and find a hundred thousand over the, the racial post on Instagram. Joke. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I think there's probably you, there's a number of views you could take on it. You know what I mean? It's it's um, you know, some fans have been comparing it to Suarez, which I think is is a little bit of a push, to be honest. Um, but um, I wonder how this will impact on United over the next three to four games because he's going to be a talisman for them as well, and his link up play with Bruno and Pogba has been top notch in the last few games, um, and he's been pivotal to them. He, I mean, he scored some of those really important goals for them. Um, and I just think maybe, you know, not having him there might have a little bit of an impact on their results coming up and stuff like that. They've got a big game against Villa on Friday. Yeah. Um, and Villa are banging form there as well and up at the top end of the table as well, fighting. And um, with Grealish in your team and stuff like that, the only concern I would have is I think Mings is suspended for the game, isn't he? So that would be a concern because he's their talisman at the back. But... um. Yeah, it's they're, they're back up there again, and they are challenging. There's no doubt about it. You always feel around the corner, though. There's a kind of a, 
you know, a, a surprising dodgy result yeah. coming that sort of derails them a little bit. But they've certainly been cons- much more consistent and I would say much more at it um, than, than they have been. And certainly it would be a concern. And if they do add to the squad in January, I mean, we know all the names they're going to try and butcher out the door and trying to find homes for them is difficult at best. But... um. It'll be interesting to see who they do target and who they're going to bring in. The talk the talk I heard going around was that they weren't planning on really bringing anyone in in January, but they had identified the usual Jaden Sancho, Jack Grealish, all these guys as big targets for the summer. Um, but whether that happens or not is another thing. Well, back on like what you were saying, like, <clears throat> I don't think they will bring in January. United aren't usually a team who do bring players in in January. They usually wait till the summer unless they're in desperate need. Um, but um, back on the Cavani thing, United seem to have been given. It seems the ban has dropped in a favourable moment. Um, that Cavani's the three games Cavani will miss. Only one of them is going to be a Premier League game. So the only Premier League game he's missing is the one against Villa, and then he's missing the EFL Cup against City, and then the FA Cup against Watford. So we won't be too big of a loss from. Okay. So you know, conveniently, yeah, uh, that ban was dropped at a convenient time for United. Uh, just, just saying. Um, and I am what you said. I'm one. Well, I, I suppose the other. No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I suppose the, the other option for them as well is if it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was saying, I am one of those fans that has been comparing it to the Suarez incident. I don't think should he have got as serious a fine as Ambana Suarez? Maybe not. Three games, eight games would have been too much. Three games is a joke. Same word, same culture, slightly different context. But I do believe the FA tried to set an example with Suarez and they haven't stuck to that example since. And they find yeah. that they're giving them a three game ban one Premier League game two cup games and basically said give us all the money you find down beside your couch as a fine yeah I, su- I suppose though when you compare it to the City one where he only received a, a single game ban yeah again so I, I, I suppose it's 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 um it's a it, it's I suppose it's a difficult one to call you know because it's we are dealing with different cultures but that doesn't take away from the fact of what's posted and um they are operating in England in the Premiership and there's rules around that that have to be you know adhered to um, and these guys are being badly advised so I, I would imagine if this drops again from another foreign player um, I'd say you'd probably be looking at you know half a million and probably six games I think I think what they've done now between Bernardo and between Cavani is they've sent the warning shot now for all other foreign players to say you know, we've kind of let this slide a bit, even though we've punished you. But be aware, this is the way it's going to be. Um, so um, we, we, we'll see what happens anyway. Um, moving on to um, both our own team, Liverpool, who, for me, um, have had the gate open in the last two days to press on, or in the last two weeks to press on. Um, all our rivals around us couldn't have treated us any better, really. And... Um, we have failed to take advantage of that. Um, we've looked very flat. Um, we have been creating opportunities, but our front three seem to be going through a bit of a dip and a bit of a confidence um, thing at the moment. I did notice last night in the um, the game last night against Newcastle, once Thiago came on, 
we were a different monster. There was a bit of creativity there. I thought last night's midfield was a bit slow um, and kind of delayed things and didn't really service the front three, really. Um, but I think that it was the same. I, th- I was very disappointed in the West Brom performance. Um, I thought we could have easily put them to the sword in the first half. But um, what you're thinking on Liverpool at the moment? Um, at the minute, they're like you said, they're frustrating. They're a frustrating team to watch. Um, that midfield, I've seen a lot of people call it the midfield that started last night. Uh, the Brexit midfield is what that is. It's just sideways and backwards. And I love the lads, and but they only work when they have a midfielder who's willing to press in there with them. Like you said, Thiago came on and it was a different team. But we're the champions. We went, we lost one game, one or two games all last season. We shouldn't need one player that we bought in the summer to come on to change the game for us. That front three, I'm sorry, I love them all to pieces. They've done great things for us. They've gotten cocky and they've gotten complacent. And they're not putting away chances that bleeding Braithwaite over in Barcelona is bleeding eat up for dinner. They've gotten lazy. That's uh, that's my only opinion. Is they know that they're Jota being injured. They have their positions sorted in the team. Klopp for some reason won't bring in Shakiri, so they know they can be lazy. They're not going to get replaced. Yeah, it was strange. Um, it was strange and comparable to the Crystal Palace game where we absolutely put them to the sword, and like we, you know. The, the team just clicked big time. Now, I think in fairness to last night, I think we created plenty of chances. And on another day, we probably would have put in, you know, two, three, four goals. I probably would have finished maybe being fair for two, maybe. Would probably have been a fair result. Um, but I, I, I think at the moment, um, the subbing... The, the practice of the subs at the moment is a little bit questionable on the timing like bringing on Shakiri and giving them four minutes really you know what's the point really you know what I mean four injury time minutes but um, I also looked as well and I was thinking as good as Fabinho is at the back in, cent- in centre back we're really missing him in midfield really missing him in midfield because I think he's the anchor man that allows the likes of Henderson and Janey to go a little bit forward Um. And I'm thinking when we're playing some of the, the, the lower teams uh, or the smaller teams, I, I think there might be a call there to throw him back in midfield and maybe go with Williams and Nat Phillips at the back um, and maybe just try it out, you know, because there's, there's a cutting edge in that midfield at the moment that we normally have that dictates the game. And we're missing it badly at the moment. Um, but it remains to be seen. And we have a couple of big games coming up now. Southampton's going to be a tough one. And then after that, we've got a cup game. And then I think it's United then, isn't it? Is our, yeah, is yeah. our next game then. That's going to be a huge game, that United game. I mean, if things pan out the way we think over the next week, that's going to be a big six-pointer top of the table clash, no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's kind of Liverpool. Um, moving on, I suppose, to Chelsea. Um which is a an interesting kind of conundrum. Spent a huge amount of money in the summer. Totally backed Frank Lampard. Brought in some fantastic talent, no doubt about it. Um, but seemed to be struggling in terms of finding the right positions for players, the right tactics. Um, you know, I've spoke many times on this podcast about Giroud being on the bench. I think is a travesty. And again, when I looked at Frank in a couple of the games, um, you know, he probably could have put Giroud on a lot earlier to put an impact in the game and the ones that he, he wasn't on, you know. I still think Werner's playing out of position. I don't think that's his position. And I think he's trying to keep a lot of players happy. Um, 
Kai Havertz, I think, is struggling with the Premiership at the moment, and I think he's struggling with the move from Germany. But I think in time he will become very good. There's no doubt about it. Um, he's still a kid. I think he's still basically a kid. Absolutely, and and I think as well. I think he he could do well in the summer by um, putting on a bit of meat and a bit of beef and beefing himself up a little bit. He's a bit slight, I think, but I think he will become a fantastic player there. But certainly there seems to be pressure on Frank Lampard and a lot of the pressure is coming from its own fan base. Um, they don't seem to be happy at all. Um, and they seem to be questioning that underbelly mentality that Chelsea are normally known so strong for. Because um, they normally are known as that strong team to really give most matches a good go. But for some reason they seem a little bit weak. And I mean, when you look at the when you look at the starting eleven, it's 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 drenched in talent from top to bottom. Um you wouldn't really say there's a lot of weak players in the team. Um, what you, what you're thinking on Chelsea at the moment? Oh, I agree. They've a they've so much talent in that squad, and it's just not gelling together at all. It seems to be a big problem in London. You know, Arsenal fans are finally let up on Arteta, and now the Chelsea fans are going in on Lampard. It's one or the other. One team has to be going through some sort of turmoil. I do think Frank is trying to keep Abraham and Werner happy by playing them both, but. He's playing the big money sign and Werner out of position. And for that, Werner's struggling. And that's going to show he's a confidence player. He needs the confidence. Um, if he's not bagging in goals, he's going to dip. Yeah, I think I think Werner is um I think Werner is absolutely um key, and I think he's gonna have to make that decision to switch him into the middle. There's no doubt about it, and he's gonna have to figure out a way. I mean, I was sort of thinking maybe if they went with a four four two and they played Werner and Giroud up front, you know what I mean? Maybe in a one off the other or something like that. Because yeah, I'm four, thinking four, if they played Giroud with that a four four, four, four one, one, one kind of thing, you know what yeah. I mean? Like Ireland used to have with it was it was it a um. Who was it knocking the ball down to Keane for Keane to run on? Yeah, be, that likes a Noel Quinn. Yeah, Noel Quinn exactly. used to feed him all the time. But I'm thinking if they put Giroud into that pocket there and he was feeding them, he was feeding uh, Werner. I think the amount of goals Werner would get would be immense. I, I don't think there'd be any stopping them. I, I, I think a top, top, top striker. He has a kind of, he has a Fernando Torres kind of vibe going about him, but he's just yeah. he's being played out of position constantly yeah. for Tammy Abraham, who is, on his day, he can be incredible, but he's so inconsistent that it's just, it's ridiculous. Like it's, you pay yeah, well, much money for Werner. Play him in the position that you bought him for. Yeah, well, I think Ian, I think Ian, our partner on the podcast here, who's, missing today he's off busy doing stuff but I think he would always turn around and say that he feels Tommy Abraham is a little bit light yeah. um, I, I think they were hoping he would be that Drogba-esque type yeah. uh, striker but he certainly doesn't have the strength for a guy of his size he is he is tall and stuff like that but he is quite slight and a lot of these central defenders in the Premiership at the moment they are quite built yeah. and um, they've no problem whipping the ball off him um, but again, I think I think that's the conundrum for Frank. I mean, maybe we could argue that maybe they brought in too many players in one window, making up for last time with the bands. Um, yeah, no, I've got to be an argument there. Look what happens with teams. Look at Spurs when they spent the bail money. How many of them signings actually worked out that they all brought in at the same time? It might be yeah. a case of try blood three or four at a time instead of bringing in six, seven, eight, and yeah. trying to completely overhaul in one season. Yeah, or come up, come up with some sort of a planned rotation there that sort of 
keeps keeps everyone happy but that it, it seems more structured than more reactory like it seems to be when players aren't too happy there they're thrown on and they're given a chance and they're going there now you're happy again type of thing you know yeah. rather than it being an actual plan that Frank has come up with to say right I'm going to try Giroud I'm going to try Werner here I'm going to try something different you know have Arts is under pressure let's take him out of the picture build him up his confidence a little bit and then put him back in and stuff like that you know what I mean like I was amazed the other night watching the match how many times the ball fell to N'Golo Kante mm. in the box who to me normally to me would be that kind of you know he'd nearly be that guy nearly sitting in front of the defence breaking things up and stuff like yeah. that he's not normally the guy who gets on the end of balls into the box no, and no, certainly he's a Makaleli kind of player you know what I mean yeah, and certainly when you have Pulisic Havertz Werner and Giroud I mean you don't expect the ball to fall to N'Golo can't they no. um, but yeah it's, a, it's an interesting time for Frank it's, it's a conundrum I'm sure he'll figure it out um, you know he's been thrust into this position it's not easy he's a young manager as well but you know on the flip side between him and Arteta you know um, he's been heavily backed so he has to try to figure out a way to fix this conundrum and get it working again and no doubt he will yeah Um then we move on to let's let's have a chat about City here struggling with this whole COVID thing. It's um massive outbreak there the other day. Had to shut down their their world class training facility. Um number of players were diagnosed, match was cancelled against Everton. Um and it seems to be that this new variant strain of the, the coronavirus um that's so contagious seems to be spreading more now. I see the uh, the premiership are said they're gonna instigate something like seventeen or eighteen hundred tests in the next couple of weeks. Um and they're gonna really go in on a hard and, and, and figure out what's going on there because um I mean they're um their track record has been exemplary in terms of the virus when you think about it. Like they, they haven't really called off many matches. Um, there hasn't been that many positive tests. Uh, they've been clusters where they've been caught pretty quick. But um, it's certainly a concern for City. Not only that, but if they have these players returning, we know that there is some long-term effects of this coronavirus as well. Um, we've seen it. I mean, we seen it with Paul Pogba earlier in the season when he came back after having COVID. Um, you know, he really struggled. He looked like a much weaker Paul Pogba. Yeah. Um, and it'll be interesting. Your thoughts on that with City players coming back with it? I'm waiting to see um, what day Kyle Walker had his Christmas party on and that's where all these COVID cases are coming from. Um, it's happening all over football. There's certain players, and I just brought up Kyle Walker because he was one from a few months back who got in trouble for breaking COVID rules. Yeah. Too many players aren't taking it seriously. Uh, too many players are breaking the guidelines. And I think that's where it's coming from. It's coming in then to the training facilities being spread to other players and other players and other players. And I think the, the issue is the FA are taking it seriously. The clubs are taking it seriously. Some players are not taking it seriously. And they're putting everyone else at risk. Yeah, well, we have seen we have seen players floating the law and stuff like that. I mean, we've seen William went off to Dubai or Abu Dhabi or something like that as well at, at a time when things were kind of on lockdown and shouldn't have been travelling and stuff like that. But um, it'll be interesting to see how these players come back and how they perform because in fairness, so far this season, there has been a struggle there for City in terms of performance. Um, now, they have been missing key players like Aguero and I know Jesus as well has been struggling as well. But I think if they don't have Aguero as their talisman up there, they do struggle as well as much as Raheem... <clears throat> Has he, he has, is it just me or has he just not been the same player for the last maybe I know he's had injuries but for the last year and a half two years has not been that same player I think I think part of it is even when he's being fit 
I think with the emergence of Jesus and stuff like that, I think he's kind of being messed around a little bit. Right. I, I know he's had a couple of matches there. If you look at the tail end of last season where he was subbed off and stuff like that, and he wasn't impressed at all. He was trying to, mm. you know, the, the bat toys out with the bat water, really, you know. And um, I know he's had a couple of head-to-heads with Pep Guardiola. And I think at Man City, if you have a head-to-head with Pep Guardiola, there's probably only be one winner, you know. Yeah. Um, but he is, I mean, I suppose you have to, you have to understand as well he is coming close to the end of his career in terms yeah. of at that level in the premiership um, and I know it's, it's obviously difficult for a player to you know adjust to that fact um, unless you're kind of a Giroud and you embrace it and you know and like so when you do get your chance you grab it by you know both hands really you know what I mean but I know I know, and, uh, and you know you got that Argentinian fire in him as well you yeah. know what I mean you don't want to accept it you know um, so it must be tough but on the other hand, again, when he does come on and he does perform and he is their player, he's he's head and shoulders above anyone in the front line. I mean, he's, oh, he's there's no comparison between he's him. He's been up there the him and Jesus. in the world for years now. He's been up there with the Lewandowski's, yeah. the Benzema's, Suarez's. He's a top yeah. quality player. And that's, I mean, it's been sad to see him dip and it's been sad not to see him on a football pitch because he's just, he's an incredible talent. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we'll we'll see how City come back from this and how they perform. It should be interesting. Should be. I, I'd imagine they'll still be up there challenging us. Um, you know, I don't see them dropping away that much, and especially with the little bit of inconsistency we have at the moment. Hopefully, we can resolve that. One thing I didn't put down. I suppose we should talk about Tottenham. Um, it, it's like they've had sort of games there on a plate, and. Um, I think looking at their tactics at the moment, they're playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Yeah. Um, and it's a strange one, you know what I mean? Because like when when you see the way our when you see the way Liverpool's results have gone, we've opened the door for a lot of other teams as well. Um, and that's why you see United up in second now. You know, scaling those dizzy heights in the league, but um. Spurs should have been one of those teams that really took advantage of the results all around them because Arsenal were struggling, Chelsea were struggling. You know, a lot of teams have been struggling. Even Leicester, to a point, have been struggling a little bit. And um, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to see how they really haven't taken advantage. And I think there's a frustration within their fan base at the moment with the tactics. They they kind of crying out. They want to play really good football because they have the players there to do it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. With Son and with Kane and Lamella when he comes on and Moira and all these players, so there is an attacking force there. But um. It's it's Jose again reverting to type again, where it's more important not to lose than it is to win. And uh, what's your thoughts on Spurs at the moment? I think Spurs are suffering from um, the fans, especially they're suffering from something most Liverpool fans suffered from back in was it, 07, 08 and then back again in thirteen fourteen when they came so close to a prize that now all they can think about is why aren't we why aren't we getting that prize the next year over if we came so close this year us in 08-09 second in the Premier League by three points to United then 13-14 what was it a point we lost to the title to City by and it was just yeah. it's one of them things it's just once you get that close as a fan you're like okay if we got that close this year we fixed the mistakes we made and we should win it next year Tottenham got to a Champions League final two years ago and let's be honest they've been they've flattered they haven't just like 
flattered anyone. You know what I mean? They haven't like, taken their breath away since. Started the season well. <clears throat> Looked like, okay, we're finally building on that Champions League final. This is the Tottenham we want to see. And then all of a sudden, they get a nosebleed from being so high up the table and Jose just wants to run back to his bus. It's They seem to be afraid to take risks yeah. and the fans can see that. If you, want to, if you want to win the Premier League, you need to take risks. Look at us with our high line last year that has been found out now that we have to go back to the drawing board. If you want to win titles, you need to take risks. You can't always just protect the goal. You need to go and score goals as well. And I think Jose is just... I think he's kind of getting a bit of deja vu from being at other clubs where results started to not go his way and fans and the board turned on him immediately and I think he's just, that's his defensive stance is to go back to not losing rather than to go on to winning yeah I think um, do you see him um, do you see him delivering a trophy there in in some sort of a trophy there uh, the Audi Cup did you see him delivering like a Europa League or... uh, yeah. uh, maybe an Audi yeah, Cup I don't know I, th- I, I, I think I, I think they're a good I think I could see them um, I could see them potentially doing a Europa League or I could potentially see them um, you know I, I, I think they might be a good show for the FA Cup because I'm thinking at the moment a lot of these top teams if they're challenging for the league I think they're going to pan the FA Cup as well because I, I don't see between COVID and um, between injuries uh, between the condensing of the league and stuff like that I don't see how teams like Liverpool and United and Chelsea and Man City and all can compete in Europe and in the domestic league and in a cup competition. I just right. think it's maybe, too much. You're going to have... Maybe an FA Cup. You know what I mean? I definitely yeah. see Liverpool. Yeah, so I think I think they'll definitely play. I think a lot of these big teams will play the kids. And I think that might be an opportunity there for Spurs to, you know, go in there to maybe do it. Jose deliver an FA Cup or maybe a Europa League, you know, as well. Because I think as well, I think if um, the likes of United and that are high up in the league and they're challenging for the league come around, say, February and stuff like that, I don't think they'll care about the Europa League I think they'll know that they might cement the top four sort of back in the Champions League and I think their push will really be to try and push assuming Liverpool and Man City and that in the the league title that's that's the way I would say the Europa League will become irrelevant No I agree with you maybe yeah FA Cup Carabao Cup whatever they call it now could be on Jose's level with Tottenham right now because yeah like you said the big clubs aren't going to take it seriously and I'm sorry other than Arsenal maybe and Chelsea the odd year big clubs don't take them trophies seriously anymore and that's something I actually wanted to talk to you about for a possibility of a future episode yeah. about especially with the FA Cup about to start about why yeah. these cups just don't mean anything to clubs anymore and I have a few theories but I'll get into that on that episode I'm saving them rants for if we go into that on another episode but yeah okay fair enough Jose could deliver a Carabao Cup and yeah well let's, let's... yeah yeah, yeah it'd be yeah, interesting yeah. alright I, I, I suppose the big thing for them is um Financially, financially, they're not lucrative enough anymore. And I suppose they don't bring the rewards that they should bring. You know what I mean? Like, I think you'd have a very different FA Cup if the winner was promised a Champions League spot. Exactly my thoughts. I, 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 think that's, I, I think that's the only way you'll bring back what they call the romance of the Cup again. It's like um, other than that, I think it's just... 
like Liverpool when they were like, uh, yeah, no, we're ahead. not moving your Carabao Cup fixture, yeah, uh, so you can play in the FIFA World Club World Cup. You play the Carabao Cup, it's important. And Liverpool were like, no, nah, it's not. We'll play the kids. We're gonna go win the Club World Cup. That's more important. It's more financially lucrative. We get a cool little patch at the end of it on for, for our jerseys. Whereas we win the Carabao Cup, what do we get? A yeah. year supply of energy drinks. Yeah, but it also yeah it also raised the profile of the Premiership out there in world football as yeah. well to have a team out there representing the league. I mean, United did it before as well, yeah. and I'm sure it, pay, it paid dividends for them back then as well. You know, um, anything else you want to add? Anything else going on out there at the moment um, that you've seen or that we haven't touched on or um, <sighs> some interesting? Um, there hasn't there hasn't been a lot out there. It's kind of been. Quiet ish, if you like. I think yeah. I think a lot of teams are in shock at the way some results have gone, and they're waiting to see on the the bounce back. Um, I think as a yeah, this fan, this whole COVID is just playing with everything at the moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think as a Liverpool fan as well. I know yeah, this ahead. year we lifted the Premier League trophy, you know, and it was a great first time in thirty years. But when you look back, we won that trophy in twenty nineteen, and let's be honest, we had it wrapped up before the end of the year. We have not. We have been very inconsistent this calendar year in all of 2020. And I think as a Liverpool fan, I'm happy to see the back of 2020 as a year, heading to 2021, hoping for the bring back the intensity, bring back these players and hopefully go and win the league again. And as much as I hate them, I'm very intrigued with the possibility of a Liverpool United title race again. Yeah, it should be very interesting, all right. A um, lot of history there, a lot of rivalry. And, and you know, having a proper rivalry back again might be the impetus that gets Liverpool firing on all cylinders again um, because it's been quite casual for them, you know what I mean? Um, certainly looking at the 2021, there's a lot of teams need to step up. Yeah. Um, they've all been very lax. And I was, looking at a, I was looking at a prediction table there yesterday and they were reckoning that about 84 points or 85 points might win the Premiership this year, which is that. like a very low total. <laughs> now, I can say it all right, but it's a very, very low total. And I was looking at it and I was thinking, in order for us to do that, looking at it, what is it? Out of the next 22 games, we'd have to get 17 wins, mm. um, which would be, you know, a decent run to try and put together, really. Yeah. <laughs> You know, when you think about it. So, but yeah, it was an interesting thing. I love looking at some of those, you know, when those computers do those prediction tables yeah. out into the final day. And um, I know some people take it with a pinch of salt and stuff like that, but interesting to see that that's where the, the thinking is at the moment. But I suppose it's not surprising really when you see the amount of teams, top teams dropping points at the moment to to the, the bottom half of the table teams really, you know. It's a lot of draws. There's like, just shock losses going on. Like we will never forget the playing seven nil to Villa, but mm. sorry seven two. There's a lot of like shock losses, but there's been so many draws this year in the Premier League. I think it took what three weeks before there was the first draw in the league, and then all of a sudden, just yeah. when it rained, it poured. So many draws. Yeah, <laughs> it just became contagious, really, didn't it? It's like um, COVID, and, it, COVID and it, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, but it's amazing this year as well. Every time the door opens for a team to put a gap in there, that door gets slammed shut with either a draw or a crazy loss or something like that. Um, so it's it's just. 
the whole league at the moment is basically fairly inconsistent. Um, but I, I reckon, I reckon from January onwards, um, that's going to get turned up a notch, and you, you're going to see. Obviously, the cream is going to rise to the top of the rivalries. Will be there. Yeah. Um. Any any kind of predictions for how you see it panning out on on uh, going into the new year? I mean, where where are you looking? You're looking really at ourselves and United, is it? Yeah, I am. I'm keeping my eye on City as well, and I'm keeping my eye on Chelsea because once them players gel if they just hit the ground running if Werner starts playing up front starts banging in goals Chelsea will climb um, and I don't want Chelsea to be like United have been whereas one minute they're down in 8th place and we're not worried about them and then all of a sudden you blink and they could go level on points with us with, uh, at the top if they win their game of hand yeah. I mean it's it's very very hard to call I do think we yeah. still will still win it this year it'll be very close and I do think United will get top four. I think they might drop off slightly. I think they'll be looking at third place, in my opinion. And second and fourth will be between Chelsea and City. Yeah, interesting. So you don't you don't see anyone kind of nail breaking in there, or you don't see you don't see Tottenham figuring into the equation at all there. Uh, Leicester um, or uh, Tottenham, Leicester and Southampton will push. They'll make up the rest of that top seven, eight. But I don't see them pushing the top four. I think the top four is going to be Liverpool, City, United, Chelsea. Yeah. What's your um, What's your thoughts on this thing that came out the other day there, where they were potentially looking at um you know, a break in the league for three to four weeks because um, of this COVID outbreak and stuff like that. I suppose the pair of us being Liverpool fans, it would suit us down to the ground to get players back <laughs> in terms of uh, injury. Uh, Gary Neville. But then I wonder what it's... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, uh, Gary Neville was saying, and I agree with him, if he's break the league, take a three-week break from the league, there's not a break for the players. The players are still going to have to train for at least two of those weeks to be fit enough and ready for when it comes back. So it's... All it is is a match break. They're not stopping players interacting with each other. It's not going to stop anything. It's just a three-week break would be pointless. If you're going to do a break, do a full month to two-month long break or don't do one at all, in my opinion. Yeah, I, th- I think their concern was maybe the, the fear of this the, you know the new strain being so contagious yeah. that it, there might be a fear that it would spread you know from club to club as yeah. opposed to being isolated in its own clusters so I suppose that would be a real concern for them but I think at times where you have a country on lockdown um, you know the mental health of people they really need their sports and their football it would be it would yeah. be so detrimental to the fan base 100% um, I'm just saying there so I don't, I, to cut across yeah um, go ahead it might be a, not a huge story for people who aren't Liverpool fans but um, apparently Liverpool just completed the signing of uh, a 16 year old defender from Celta Vigo uh, Stefan Bassetic apparently he was heavy, heavily linked with a move to United but um, apparently now Liverpool have secured a late deal from 16 years of age so looks like we're still buying for the future That's yeah I think we got we got wind of that last yeah, uh, we got we got wind of that last week, and I'm sure when the detail of the the deal comes out, I mean Mike Edwards there is doing an incredible job. Yeah, um, I mean how he puts some of these deals together and how he financially structures them. Um, 
I, I honestly look at it sometimes and I don't know how clubs actually agree to it, but they seem to agree to it. We tend to get top dollar for players that we don't want yep. and we tend to bring in top players for less than top dollar or some great financial structuring and stuff like that. So the man, is, he's probably, as, as a as a director in there of football, working with Klopp and stuff like that, he's he's doing an outstanding job in terms watch of signing him, players. Watch him, him organise um, some sort of swap deal, Origi for Mbappe. Watch, the man, I wouldn't put it past the man. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think um, Origi's probably heading the wolves, isn't it? Mm. By the sounds of thing, but don't don't be surprised if we get a Traore or a Neto or something wrapped yeah. up in that deal. You know, like it's the man just the man just goes into other clubs and he pulls their trousers down and walks <laughs> off with the crown jewels. Really, you know what I mean? It's amazing. Um, so yeah, I think we've covered everything today. Um, yeah. I don't think there's much more to cover. Um, like I said to everyone you know have a safe new year keep safe I know we're on lockdown but we'll be bringing you plenty of content um, and we'll be looking at adding extra episodes on us stuff like that as we cover the transfer window in January which is not always exciting in the first few weeks but certainly in the last week it's really exciting and um, I'm sure things will ramp up as players stay in the, the hunt for the league and you know they're challenging and stuff like that they may want to add players in January which is unusual compared to other years Um so I suppose for myself, the coach, Noel Hogan, and for you, Peter Hart, happy new year. Um, thanks again and happy new year. Talk to you soon.